The Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Fort Lauderdale Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Savages, this is the Protect Your Neck podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom. Analysts work you can find at MMAJunkie.com as well as MMA Junkie Radio. But on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck podcast, we break down high level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight. Whenever you're listening to this, hopefully, it's before the fight. Uh, recording this in the wee hours of the night here, uh, so fighters have yet to weigh in. But by the time this hits, uh, fighters may start to weigh in. I don't know. Uh, no, this should drop uh, hours before that, actually. I'll probably just stay up late tonight and get it edited and out rather than wait till morning. Uh, so y'all can get this, um, you know, uh, coming in at our, our normal time here. I uh, hope you guys are doing well. Uh, been a little quiet on my end, just, 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 just hammering away. I don't like to talk about stuff. Uh, until 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 it is done and ready, but we are here. That is what matters. Boy, last week was rough, huh? Saint Petersburg gonna do a super brief just recap of the results. Uh, not gonna wax or anything, so so don't worry. Um, was right on the main event uh, again. Just you know, Alistair Overeem, man, one of the best clinch fighters of all time. I put it in my breakdowns for years now for a reason, and uh, people forget that. It was like a very known thing back in the Uberim days, but uh, man, the guy's still dangerous in the clinch, uh, whether you're Mark Hunt or Alexi Olnick, so uh, good on the ream there. I don't know about it, how far a ceiling goes, but I just kind of like his attitude and, and, and realism about the situation, so good on him. Uh, you know, Makachev and, and uh, Taryukin, uh you know, the flyer, obviously, it was a flyer for a reason, didn't hit. But I did say Taryukin was going to be much tougher than expected. And I think everybody came away agreeing with that. Pavlovich looked good. Um, yeah, man, I maybe just kind of got blinded with the uh, Shevchenko chalk. Hopefully you didn't lay it. I did. Someone credited me on Twitter about, like, saying that Roxanne could win. And uh, I, I was laying out a path for her and, and and giving her a lot more credit than what the odds projected. But I don't know if I, I would, I could fully take credit for that, but whoever you were, thank you. you, you nevertheless. Uh, and always good to see Mona Ferry, uh, win. She, she's, a uh, obviously a fan favorite, a media darling, uh, and whatnot. I'm sure Shevchenko will be back. Yoko, uh, defeated, uh, again. Uh, don't let the, uh, Names fool you. That's a that's a Macedonian, not a Russian. That wasn't a that wasn't a that wasn't a Russian. You know, so uh, Yoko did what he needed to do there. Got back on his feet. Hopefully, got some more uh, confidence for himself. And uh, Shichikov and Clark was was canceled. All right, yeah. Um, Mavzar Evolev uh, looked great uh, against Chung Sung Woo. You know those Koreans, man. Like. I think the matchmakers know if they want to showcase some, you know, 
a Russian guy without burning another Russian guy. They don't have to go too far to the region next door to pull some tough dudes from Korea. That'll kind of showcase that. Uh, Sultan Ali, who <laughs> was laughing at Paul Felder, call a bear, but he for me this looks like more of the abominable the, the abominable snowman snowman with his nose crushed in. Uh, pulled it off against Keita Nakamura, which you know I think I had a play on Nakamura there, so whatever. Hey, Sultan, good on you, man. You retired. Took a shot on the a dog to Silva as well, and he was looking good there. Until uh, uh, Yakovlev caught him, you could tell him what you meant to Yakovlev. I don't know how that guy makes 155. Jesus Christ, fuck, man. I keep uh, underestimating Dagestani Randy Couture, despite uh, you know. Maybe just as his yearly appearance, the guy does show up for that one year, one time a year. He really does show up, doesn't he? Uh, knock Mar Marcin Tabura out of there. Uh, and uh, Tabura's fallen, and uh, he came in with even higher hype. I, I actually was one of the few people picking against him, was picking Tim Johnson, who was able to uh, pull pull it off back there in Zagreb. But uh, even me, who wasn't like super over the top with Tabura, even was like, man, this guy really... Fall from grace, but heavyweight division MMA. All right. Uh, and Mikhail Oksajic uh, got Godzimura and Tagulov out of there. Um, and then, Jesus Christ, Magomed Mustafaev. Again, I told you, even though I was picking Fitziev, which was, you know, uh, may have seemed strange. I said I couldn't play him, regardless if he was going to be a dog or not. Because um, <clears throat> I had too much respect for Magomed, and then that's why. So, uh, yeah, all right. Uh, Bellator 220 also this weekend. Uh, no really odds up for that except for the main one, Roy McDonald. I think it's like minus 400. John Fitch plus 325. I don't know how it got that high or if it opened that high, but just a bit too high for my liking. Uh, it did break in. Actually broke down more on paper uh, for Bellator this weekend than in uh, USC on MMA Junkie, but uh, I broke that down, the main card there, the grappling versus grinding, controlling the exchanges. Um, how I see that one going... And uh, basically, you know, I think John Fitch is a livelier dog than the odds suggest. Say what you will about the PED talk. And you know, I may have came across harsh the other day, um, you know, on him, on MMA Junkie Radio. But it was just, um, yeah, it's just, I mean, you know, I was a guy, by the, you know, by the way, that defended John Fitch's style back in the day. And actually didn't mind it when everybody was hating on it, but just the subsequent interviews and even if it was stuff you wanted to agree on or, or learn more, he just kind of comes off with this tone, like it's kind of like indignant tone about him. And, uh, yeah, I don't know how much I, I don't know how much, you know, I dig that. He's like, man, I want to be a fan, but it's like either coming off with this like indignant tone where it's just like, I know people like this where you're just like, okay, we get it. And I'm a contrarian, so I really get it. But it's like, okay, we get it. You're contrarian. Okay, we get it. You like Bitcoin or whatever the fuck it is. Like, it just feels. Like, I don't know if I'm coming across or articulating myself, so I'll, I'll drop it. But yeah, it's a, being John Fitch, or even like the cool videos. Like I think he yeah, went back in the day about his like when he was doing like a vegan diet. But even that was challenging to stay awake through. And like the comments were like, oh my god, I don't know what's harder to stay awake, his videos or his fights. I'm like, oh poor guy. But he hasn't really done to help, do a lot to help himself. And then, you know, a guy who kind of stands up for things and points the finger at things being wrong, getting popped. Um, I would, you know, regardless of your stance on the PEDs in, in uh, MMA or sports in general, uh, it always looks worse when, it, when, it, when it, you know, when certain people do it as opposed to others. And that might not be fair, but that, that, that's how it is, I would argue. 
Um, so I wouldn't surprise you know, Faraz kind of unloading on him there uh, verbally. Uh, you know, Fitch took it pretty well from interviews that I saw. But, you know, the guy doesn't matter. He, he However he gets there aside, he, he really does put in work, and he puts in work in that cage. And you really got to control the fight or stop him. Uh, I don't know if McDonald's going to be able to stop him. I'm, I'm kind of going with the latter. I officially went with the decision. I just think McDonald's going to, excuse me, paint his own portrait of the George St. Pierre game plan using the jab to dictate and control the exchanges and using his well-timed takedowns, which are still attached in his game. And, you know, you can question other parts of Rory, but that part is still there, and I think that's going to be, be good enough. His grappling prowess is going to be good enough to outdo the grinding of John Fitch. Um, but, yeah, for that price, I wouldn't trust it. And then especially the intangibles. The intangibles, I'd say, go more in Fitch's favor, and, and the flags are on the Rory side, you know, and to Rory's own admission, you know, we've seen being a father change fighters, uh... We've seen, you know, uh, re you know religion uh, change, you know, people as their characters, much less their performances or fighters and stuff, too. You know, uh, we've kind of seen that, uh, you know, guys on their way out uh, be become more religious. And uh, like, uh, Nate Marquardt, for example, I mean, you look at the, uh, what do you call those old uh, embedded, not countdown, but uh, they would do them for the big big fights but did it for St. Pierre Penn too like you just see like you know he's got a little bit of a spitfire he's got an edge to him you know he's kind of just like a pretty rough raw raw dude and then you know later in Nate Marquardt's career is more like ah Jesus and you know trying not to get KO'd and shit anyways uh hope he's doing well but yeah I mean like you know you hear Rory start talking about that stuff and then how he showed up to the Musashi fight and I picked Musashi anyways and uh, so I guess that wasn't a surprise, but the way in which it happened, and Roy was was really honest about that, man. You know, he was like, ah, my head wasn't in there. And again, that's why I'm not, you know, I'm not coming at him, and I hope it's not taken that way. I mean, it's being a negative or shitting on Roy or anything like that. I mean, this is a lot of stuff that is to his own admission. So I'm not trying to pretend like I know him. I'm just going off of what he's said to what we have and I have seen. So it's worrisome. We'll we'll see. We'll see what this is going to answer a lot. Um, come in event you got. Veda Ortega, nah, uh, the challenger. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> this is like the visual what I hear when I see her face. Cause and I mean that, and she's a, a demon and a savage in the most complimentary way. I mean that for Veda. Uh, but yeah, you could just you could make that noise and plays and it would just it it fits the picture. Uh, but she's and she's a savage man. I mean, she really is a demon. She'll just keep coming at you. She's like. She's a mix between like Diego Sanchez and Gil Melendez. Gil Melendez and kind of the way she boxes, she's got that low stance and launches her ones and twos and threes and keeps kind of a simple boxing pressure approach. But uh, overall, just the Diego Sanchez with just the pressure, not stopping the relentlessness, pushing into the clench, she can grapple. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt just got it quietly, of course, but I would argue uh, her ranking shows uh, in her defense because she does have good defense. Um, it's just, does she depend on that defense a little too much and will it burn her against the champion, Alima Lee McFarlane, who continues to surprise, continues to improve. Um, she's 9-0, I believe, but I, you know, you can't stay undefeated forever in MMA. 
That being said, I'm still siding with the champ here. Oh, damn, you're siding with Hawaiian. Like, I know, I know. I'm honestly, like, I was prepared to pick against her and pick Val, but um, after looking at the tape, I, I did feel like the pressure was eventually going to win through uh, for McFarlane. I would argue it did uh, with her improved feints and striking to close that distance. Um, I don't think she's going to have a circling opponent so much in Ortega. Though Ortega will circle at times. I mean, less lately. It seems um, more so earlier in the Bellator career, which is a very small sample size. So uh, pardon me if it sounds silly to use those words because she really likes to, to counter. She likes to, be, she likes to be last, not first. She likes to wait for the other fighter to throw, shoot their shot, and then she just follows up but follows up in combination. She doesn't follow up with just one, like with like a sharpshooting shot. Like a, she's not trying to like Machida counter fight. Like she's saving her blitzes for when you go. And um, that style could give McFarlane problems on the feet for sure. Uh, however, they're both quick to tie into the clinch. Um, McFarlane a little more measured and appropriate, whereas Ortega, though, like I said, that style could give her trouble. She kind of crowds her work and ends up there. And they both like elbows from there, so they both have to be mindful. But, uh, but yeah, McFarlane sticks to... Her opposition like white on rice, and uh, I'll actually trust her her wrestling better uh, than Ortega's. Ortega's got serviceable wrestling, but she really only gets the takedowns off the fence, whereas McFarlane can do both against the fence in the open. More importantly, back to Ortega maybe relying on her submission defense a little too much. We see that because she's actually been taken down in pretty much all of her fights for the most part, and she's had her back taken. And I believe, I think, like, her last four fights straight, if not three of those last four fights for sure. And it's just common throughout all her fights, really. Uh, again, small sample size, but that's common. Now, as you watch, she kind of does the, the John Fitch thing where she lets the person take the back and she turns into the guard and just goes to work. She's a busy ground striker. She more position and striking than, than submissions, per se, though she does have them, as we saw in her last fight with the guillotine. Um... But yeah, does she really want to be giving her back and giving takedowns and just giving those positions and getting into those dogged scrambles with someone who thrives and can capitalize in there? Like McFarlane, I'm not sure. So I actually went with McFarlane by second round sub. We'll see. No line on it. But uh, I'll probably stay away unless the line's tempting uh, for a McFarlane play. Um, it's got to end like close, close favorites or, or what. But anyways, all right. I'll have to... Uh, Mark that time down at about 15 or so. Because we are going to be getting into UFC, which was on ESPN3, but now on ESPN Plus 8, making me having to do a bunch of ugly scratch marks on my neatly sketched out uh, fight schedule. Uh, but whatever. Whatever. So as the beat goes on, it's just a bunch of injury replacements after injury replacements. Doesn't it feel like these cards are happening? And then you look at like the next week's matchup, and you're usually like, oh, I forgot about that matchup. Because, yes, there are a lot of fights, which is the case in point I'm making now. But more so because they're not just a lot of fights. But we'll look at the next week and be like, oh, that fight was scheduled months and months ago. And that's another reason why I forgot about it. But, no, it's like... It's either, like, this card or the card before, like, St. Petersburg, where it's, like, injury on injury. It's like, how the fuck did we end up here? Uh, and that's not anything new. We had that last year, right, with fucking Anders and uh, Maheta. We had two middleweights fighting a light heavyweight, right? Uh, for, and neither of them were originally scheduled. Like, that kind of shit's happening more commonly 
or maybe I'm wrong here, but next week with uh, ally Quinta Donald Cerrone, I feel like that matchup wasn't made that long ago, and and a lot of these shorter camps, uh, or shorter bookings, are being more common. We are the snake eating its own tail. That is the UFC schedule, folks. Anyways, off that horse, enough people on it, and I certainly done enough bitching about it, but it's what it is. We end up with. Ronaldo Souza, minus 220, and Jack Hermanson come back on him, plus 180. You know, I'm a big fan of Jack Hermanson, the Joker, uh, since the Cage Warrior days, showing off that beautiful guard work against Carlos Vemla, who I just thought was like the biggest beast when he first got in the UFC and he was going to be something. Remember that? And then he got like washed out, and you're like, ah, oh, whatever, he got washed out. But then you go back and look at his record. I, 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 cause I, I'm a dumbass, and I'm just watching the schedule, so I don't really pay attention to much these days, guys. Sorry, apologies, but that one actually doing pretty good. I don't think he's been beaten since the, the Hermanson loss, I want to say. Anyways, but uh, yeah, been a big fan of Hermanson. Picked him, played him on his debut against Askham. I think he was like a slight dog, and it, it got bet to like near even. I forget. Uh, so he's done well for me. He's also kind of shit the bed, you know. He had his troubles in Sao Paulo, but he got with the head coach and got determined to do it. And third time was a charm against Talos Latis. Of course, we all know that story, and I'm a big fan of that. Overcame adversity. He had everything going wrong for him in that fight. Just to, you know, go 0-3 in Sao Paulo. And he, he fucking pulls it out. And is just brimming and shining. He keeps hitting that, uh, you know, arm and guillotine, which, by the way, boa choke. Bo uh, choke, like you know those uh, burlesque dancers, a little furry kind of scarves people. A boa, that's because that's what the hand looks like, especially when they're fucking unconscious, just hanging out there. It's a much cooler name. Go with it. Spread it around. I won't tell. I won't charge. Boa choke. Uh, Hermanson does it well, of course, obviously. Like I tweeted with his last one when he did it on David Branch, as I tweeted, it was very reminiscent, a little different setup. He allowed this fighter to turtle into the catch, but very similar to what uh, Russell Doan got hit with by El Pedro Munoz. Pedro Munoz! Munoz! I have to say like Bisping there, a shitty Bisping impression. But I uh, really love it, man. Uh, the problem is, I just didn't see enough of what I like with Jack Hermanson on the feet, what I think is going to give Sousa problems, you know? It's good footwork, good jab, good left hand, good left hook, check coming forward. Just his left hand mainly has been really well, even though he... He'll do well with that right hand, especially in dirty boxing range. But um, on the feet, you know, it's going to be Sousa's pressure. And even though Jack Hermanson seems to have a hold on himself, he still kind of has that kind of twitchy urgency about him, right? Where he's like, eh, here, jab, prod, in and out, dancing, dancing, in and out, dancing, dancing, level change. Because he's really just looking for that level change to get on top. Um and he could hit Souza with that. Souza's not beyond being taken down, even though he has really underrated wrestling. His wrestling stands out more offensively, obviously. But then again, who's really trying to take Souza down? Because even though Hermanson could probably take Souza down, he's going to be the better wrestler on paper with his Greco-Roman base. Um, you know, he's really got to land in side control and be able to control Souza. And Souza, even when he's hurt by UL Romero and almost like dead and out of the fight, that dude is still scrambling, threatening submissions punching you, taunting you on, changing positions in terms of the position. So it's really tough to side with Hermanson there. I really love Hermanson's top game. And, like, if he hurt Souza with a shot and then got on top of him and got to mount and started pounding, then, yeah, I could see him finish Jacare Souza on the floor. But it would have to be that exact perfect circumstance, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, otherwise... Yeah, I, 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 
I, I, Jack Hermans has got good takedown defense, works well off the wizard, but I could see even Souza taking him down. And then let's not even, lest we forget, it's not even just about Souza working from the bottom, being taken down, or working from the top, getting the takedown. He also has other tricks he'll do if uh, you're playing hard to get, like uh, Kelvin Gastelum smartly was doing in their fight, where he drops for the leg lock, uses that to sweep the top position. He didn't want the leg lock. He didn't want the guard pull. That was just an ideal scramble to get uh, topside. And going for the leg lock and using that leg to steer allowed him to steer his way topside, which was really beautiful by Sousa in his fight there with old Gastelum. Uh, so... Yeah, I just I just really find it hard uh, unless Jack Hermanson again that perfect storm of stinging Souza and Souza's chin just going, which is hard to see even in his advanced stage of his career. He again recovers well and he's just fucking built with a ridiculous jaw. It seems like uh, unless he does the perfect storm there, Jack Hermanson, I, he's gonna have to have some kind of discipline approach where he just controls him and wears him down to the clinch for either a decision or a late stoppage, which. Highly unlikely because both these guys are very do or die, and the lines I believe reflect that. Um, nothing worth touching though for line starter. Don't stop as far as round props. So if you're gonna take anything, it's Sousa straight up, which uh, looked like a lot of people did from the minus one seventy or whatever it was. That was value. Uh, minus two twenty. If you're really looking to lay heavy chalk and you really like Sousa, then you, you can play it. I guess. Uh, the only thing I get, I'm guilty of is he's a he's a person in a three leg parlay I did for fun. This is a terrible card to bet. Let me just state, I was pretty sure I was gonna have no plays, but uh, I just did a couple for fun, and it's extra for fun than usual. Which again, I stress entertainment. I stress for fun, and I honestly bet like an eight year old with allowance. But even with that said, even less and even lower uh, amount kind of plays for usual. So don't take me seriously, but. I gotta be honest, and for entertainment purposes, I'm sure you'd be curious. I'll let you know what I played. Souza is in a a for real for fun three leg parlay because parlaying is a madman sport in this game. Co-main event, and I uh, disgustingly say it, so I'm not gonna get on that soapbox. Let's keep it to the analysis, but it's it's just again, this is the kind of stuff we're ending up with with our co-main events. Uh, which is no excuse to, because we have like a main event and a co-main event. The real ones are even below this, which y'all know what they are, and we'll get to them. But Greg Hardy at a commanding minus three forty-five versus Dmitry Smolyakov plus two eighty-five. Uh, Smolyakov's looked terrible in his UFC fights; got washed out. So you know, you question again. Wow, what kind of undefeated Russian was this guy? And then he comes back in January, and I couldn't find footage for that fight. But this guy's been doing like the uh, kind of similar like the Mustafaya thing where it's like they've been out for a couple of years, but you look at them and they're doing like, the American top team training and they're going around with all these other Dagestani guys in Dagestan. So he looks like he's still training and has been staying in shape for whatever that's worth. Um, or as Hardy, it's like, man, I'm not like, I wasn't somebody who's like was, was overly hard on him in the beginning Try to give him his quote-unquote fair shake. Uh, and even his most recent uh, fight, I wasn't one of those people that's like, oh, he did it on purpose. I just think he was green, man, because he's being rushed. And that was, and that's another thing, What another reason why I don't like it, because it's like the most ironic part is for all the reasons that it's wrong. Uh, to give him the shot, a meritocracy, optics, morality, etc., 
the reason why they're doing it or the uh, counter argument and reality is that they are trying to promote and help him, which could in turn help them, right, business-wise. Uh, and then for Greg Hardy helps him career-wise. And the most ironic part is that actually hurts both. Again, the optics potentially for the, for, 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 for the UFC, but... <coughs> excuse me. But it, it, it hurts Greg Hardy first and foremost because he's getting thrust in this position of criticism and he has the media training and to his credit does very well for somebody uh, with the allegations uh, toward him and history and past that he has. I believe he handles media really well, but it definitely doesn't make your fucking fight week any easier having that extra media on you. Uh, you know, being in a co-main event slot, being there undeservedly, so you're kind of having that ire, kind of having that tilt to the lens of the coverage being provided on you, whether it's your perception or what's actually happening, because it's truthfully a little bit of both. Um... So yeah, I only bring all that stuff off because stuff up because it actually is relevant to the analysis of this fight. A lot of pressure for Hardy to come in to repeat it, and if he gets tired, he's against the guy who is a master of sports and wrestling. At the end of the day, that's his thing, uh, and he's not afraid to throw. He, he'll throw right hooks and spam them. It's not really the prettiest thing, Smolyakov, but when he's getting hit, he'll throw back. Um, it it does take a decent amount uh, to to get him out of there, and and, and uh, but um, could Greg Hardy get him out of there? Absolutely, he's going to have a speed and a power advantage, and just an overall striking advantage, and yes, an overall athletic advantage. Surprise, surprise. But I guess you know, with my tweet, when I tweeted when this first was announced, and usually it's kind of against my character, even if it's quote unquote in the right. I'm just. I really try to try to straddle that line as fairly as possible, even though I'm not a, a quote-unquote journalist. <sighs> but yeah, man, I just don't get this fucking, like, it feels like I'm, I'm back in high school. I just want to thank you. Shout out to quoted champion there. Straight edge band. But, like, yeah, it's like we're back in fucking high school. Like, we're just worshipping football players again. And, oh, this sounds like nerd. No, it's, it's, it's pointing out how stupid it fucking is. It's... A sport, just like any other fucking sport, we throw a fucking ball and there's fucking contact. Okay, cool. All right, I get it. These people are athletes. I get it. It's the most popular sport. Dan, you are the minority here. I get it, and I'm totally fucking okay with it. Uh, but I just don't get why we have to worship these guys who not just further the stereotype but ruin the fucking st- <laughs> Stereotype, just whether football players, jocks being assholes, whatever you want to call it, you know, like people just, whether academia surrounding them from high school to college to facilitate because, you know, giving them the easy route in classes while other people had to bust their ass to get through those classes, other people had to spend their money and run out of money in college while academia and the world around it just fucking bends over backwards to support these fucks because they're football America, football bear, pizza, wings, football America. I don't give a fuck. Sorry. God, I'm probably making like people less of a fan who like all love football especially. I'm not hating on you, but it's just, I'm hating on the fact that we just, this fucking idolization, it's goddamn ridiculous to where like, we're defending people like, 
Oh, these guys all like you know how long we've been saying. Oh, like, people have been saying since the early in the hardcore from the early mid two thousands. Wait till the athletes come, and then we start getting to you know two thousand eight ish. Right, we had the tough ten or whatever. We're like, see here, here it is. Here's the season where all the athletes come in. Those guys got washed out. In fact, the like, the most successful NFL person to ever be in MMA came from that. That's Brendan fucking Schaub. And I'm not trying to take a cheap shot or pick it, you know, low-hanging fruit. In fact, I, I give props to Brendan Schaub. He's fucking overachieved. And, and real props to, you know, as far as making a living and all that. As, as cringeworthy as the shit that he says sometimes, for sure. Uh, I'm not going to be a hater. And I'm not trying to be a hater by saying this, but just for sample size. He's the best. Is he not the best fucking... You know, you say Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker was a better football player. He wasn't a better. There's the, the sample size does not make it for that argument. And I like Herschel. He's actually one of the few football players I liked back in the day too. When I was actually following Super Bowls back then with Dallas, I was like, I liked Herschel Walker for whatever the fuck that's worth. But yeah, speaking of national felony league, <laughs> uh, Greg Hardy. Uh, but you know, yeah, it's like. It's like what? What the fuck? Like I, I, it, most of these guys have burnt out. They've all been overrated. I don't fucking understand. Soccer players translate better. Um, hell, once we get some more hockey players, though, I think they're gonna be they're right at nipping at football players' asses to pass them in sample size. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't get it. I, he's athletic. Yes, he's athletic and fucking and. Sorry, there's a lot of, anyways, yeah, uh, so just, and, and the line makes no sense, none of it makes sense, so Smolyakov, um, and I think there's, aside from a fading Greg Hardy in this spot, there actually, his pathways to victory for him here, especially once out of that first round, it goes up like 70%, uh, those path, po- pathway possibilities, so I guess Smolyakov, yeah, anyways, um, Al- <laughs> <laughs> People who love football hit my guts right now. Fucking bring it. Um, Alex Oliveira, minus, your, your favorite, minus 170. Mike Perry, plus 150. Uh, a lot of people predicting this fight of the night. I don't, I don't doubt it. It's, uh, it's going to be a good fight. It's one I just stayed away from. Uh, I, I agree with the line, actually. I, I actually right agree with the line. And tip, tipping my hand, obviously, that's my pick, is Alex Cowboy Oliveira. Um, Alex Cowboy Oliveira. Uh, I just think that uh, you know, I don't know if that you know. Perry gets a lot of shit for his ground, and you know, hopefully he's back in Florida now, working with Jacare. That being said, uh, I don't know how much for the submission. You know, a guy like Cowboy Oliveira is going to go for. If anything, he's going to get him in the clinch be able to muscle him around there because uh, I give him an advantage in the clinch, both strength and technique. Alex, Alex Oliveira, strength over most people in the clinch. He's just freaky strong there. And uh, then, you know, getting grounded pound. So uh, I give him the advantage here. I don't know if it's going to be the crux of his game plan, though. Uh, so you look at how things can go on the feet, and uh, although he's not a counterfighter per se, he will bounce around, take those kind of lateral angles, you know. He really works off that big dick energy, just really, uh... <laughs> he's got that bounce in his step, man. A guy that get, gets as many women pregnant as he does, he's got places to be. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, he's got no problem moving laterally. 
<laughs> setting up that right hand, whether it's in the form of the cross or the angle or the uppercut, like he hit on Piotr Holman. Um, he's easy. He, he he's no joke. So I'm gonna go ahead and side with him here, especially uh, if he's able to you know frustrate Perry as you know. For the most part, I think you just got to get the better parry for the most of round one, and then you're, you've essentially frustrated him. But, uh, yeah, I'll take Alex Oliveira. All right, next, Glover Teixeira, minus 125. Ion Cutelaba, plus 105. I believe Teixeira opened as a dog. And props if you got him there, because I probably would have played him there. Instead, I played him at inside the distance. I'm not super confident in it, but it's a prop that I did play. I just tossed a tidbit on there. Uh, plus 147, because that was plus money to share. I just, you know, to share it, he, he's been getting rocked and, and, and the chin's starting to go, and he's definitely in the advanced stages and on his way out. Definitely not arguing that. But you know me, I try to squeeze every last drop out of these veterans I like, especially when I feel like I got good reads on them, and I feel like people uh, unfairly put the dirt on to share uh, at times, like uh, with Jared Cannonier, where I, I, I didn't see why people didn't realize that he was going to. Um, <clears throat> take him down and possibly sub him. Now, I played the sub. He didn't get it, but uh, I think he might have injured his shoulder, too, and still dominated him. But either way, uh, I, I see a similar path here. Uh, yeah, Sambo and, and Greco-Roman, which is great, but, um, you know, for cute Lava, but I don't think it's the greatest Greco-Roman or the greatest Sambo. Uh, it's not the Russian Sambo. So, um, Europe, it, was, it, was, it was a different European region, um, and we don't see. I don't see a lot of that part in his game at all, to be honest. I see more of his wrestling, which is Greco-Roman, which is fine. I don't know if it was the best Greco-Roman wrestling, and you know, I think we were. You know, I think between parroting Rogan to guys like Randy Couture being in their heyday, I think the Greco clinch or the Greco style wrestling got labeled for a little bit as the best style wrestling, which I think it's more just. Along the lines of a lot of people, where I'm more of along the lines of, uh, you know, uh, collegiate, uh, collegiate freestyle wrestling, um, probably the best. But uh, anyways, neither here nor there. I'm not trying to spark that argument. I, I, I hesitate to even mention that. But for people that don't know the differences, Greco-Roman, whereas freestyle, you, you less restrictions. Uh, folk style is also a different one too. But Greco-Roman's all upper body attacks, upper body uh, involvement. Uh, much different rules, much different kind of a section. And it's great for a clinch, and if you're a clinch fighter, kind of like, a, again, a la Randy Couture, the one underhook against the fence, head under the chin. But Cute Laba doesn't really do too much of that in his game. Like, he's got some sweet tosses and stuff, which will show the kind of the Sambo side, like a hip toss, but he's not a guy to really sit in the clinch and do work there. As maybe as much as he should, because he does seem to have a pretty decent chin. Uh, although I think he also just has a really good poker face, because he does get hurt in his fights as well. He's just so goddamn aggressive. Um, to share is the technique where he could rock him and spark something off. Maybe not finish him, but rock him enough to just get the easy takedown and sub. Though I wouldn't advise or like to share his chances in a firefight, but. Deshera knows to wrestle with these guys, and even when they elbow him to the back of the head like Carl Roberson did, uh, not, no, no, no shade to Roberson. I, I don't think he did it on purpose. Just kind of, you know, th those are some brutal elbows. Uh, Glover, man, we've seen him. He he wakes back up and keeps fighting. Uh, sometimes he doesn't matter, like in the Gustafson fight, or sometimes in the, in the Roberson fight, 
uh, he, he wins it out, and I picked him there too. So I'm gonna pick him here for a sub, and I, and I threw uh, money on him inside the distance in case he just mounts him and pounds on him from there to get get like a stoppage, uh, force a stoppage. But uh, but yeah, it looks like uh, the public's in slight agreement, but I don't think anybody could be too confident, which is what the line also represents. All right. Next fight, uh, the main event, uh, John Lineker, minus 145. Come back on Corey Sanhagen, plus 125. Man, I'm a big Sanhagen fan. I was a big fan of him when he was coming into the UFC, uh, just watching him shift and move, I believe, in the LFA. And uh, interviewing him on Junkie, you know. Uh, he was just, you know, just learning that he works with kids, uh, his kickboxing style. His free-flowing submission and transition game. Fortunately, not enough of a wrestling game there uh, for my liking. And also not enough of a conservative game uh, defensively or just in general. That Again, he's really good with space management. He's uh, longer than most of his opponents. And he definitely will have that advantage here, which I'm really curious to see. But I don't know if I see like Sanhagen being the dude to just stick behind his jab and like shoot for takedowns when he needs to be. Um you know, like a like a EPO'd out uh, <laughs> TJ Dillashaw. Jesus, damn it. Really got a pile on that train. So I really like Sanhagen. was looking for a lot of reasons to pick him here. Uh, big fan of him. Of course, I'm a huge fan of Lineker as well. I'm a big fan of Sanhagen. really am. That was like almost a round of the year for me. Him versus Alcantara. But I got to go with John Lineker. Um, I, I almost see this is going to be looking similar like Angela Hill versus uh, Jessica Andrade. And we'll, Andrade, and we'll talk about Angela Hill later uh, in a little bit here. But uh, very similar, especially the body language. Because, again, I'm not, you know, writing Sanhagen off because he looks reckless and has his hands low. Like, he knows what he's doing. He's doing some real clever shit in there. Uh, but I don't know if it's clever enough. And uh, the way the body language, when, when skinny guys like that get hit by power punchers, even if he's not hurt, per se, like, or maybe he's not hurt, but he's not rocked and doesn't get stopped, um, I think the scorecards are going to favor the guy. Not just going forward, but just the body language when he gets hit. You know, like you heard people say similar things with the guys with the long hair. How it almost reverberates and makes them look like they're uh, getting hurt more. Some guys are just built like that too. Andre Feely, which I believe commentary noted, and and I think Sanhagen is similar. I think Lineker is going to test that. Uh, training at ATT. Uh, looks to be staying in shape. He's been staying busy for this for this time. We'll see. This fight was supposed to go on earlier. Uh, I believe Lineker had an injury. I don't think it was anything too major, but you know that is something to be watchful for. But he looks in great shape. Uh, I'll take John Lineker here. I didn't bet it out of respect, uh, not just for Sanhagen, but just for how amazing of a fight it's probably going to be and how crazy a fight's going to be. Uh, if you're on either side, good luck to you, I guess. But this is one where I just want to sit back and enjoy. All right, um, next fight, Theodore Roosevelt Roberts, minus 450 versus Thomas Gifford, plus 360. This line is, is weird to me. We really don't know enough about either guy to be that sure. So first off, that line is off. That being said, the favorite is right, and I'm picking Roosevelt Roberts, uh, not just for the ground game against a proverbial striker, but uh, Gifford is not just a proverbial striker, though, I will say. He's got a good guillotine. He's smart. He knows that he's long. Uh, so he's going to have a little more creative leverage for his guillotines. And he's a striker who likes to pressure. So uh, kind of like the Worley Alves effect of uh, the guillotine. Is, you got to make, if you're a striker, even if you're not a grappler and you want to strike, still make the guillotine your best friend because you know guys are going to be shooting on you, right? 
Uh, and it sounds like he really understands that. I was listening to if interview with Gifford with uh, James Lynch. By the way, Gifford, what is uh, ever since that tough season? It's like, and I love my my southern brother and sisters. It ain't hate at all, but. Man, what is up with the Southern influx of like guys who not just Southern influx? Because again, I love my Southern brothers and sisters, love my Southern food, but uh, what is that up with guys that either look and or sound like James Franco's character from Spring Breakers? I mean, we already had it with with Bryce Mitchell with his shorts, uh, and 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 uh, Thomas Thomas Gifford said it sounds the same thing. Arkansas man, I'm training team for training some team alpha male, but I'm I'm staying Arkansas till I die, man. I got look at my shit. Look at my shit. I got shorts every fucking color. I got shorts every fucking color. I got body tanning oil. <laughs> Sorry, the first part was uh, the guy's interview, and then the last part there was, was definitely James Franco from Spring Breakers. Spring Break forever. Speaking of which, fucking Mike Perry. Like Mike Perry. Yeah, Mike. Let's, let's you just fuse Mike Perry. Uh, with uh, Nico Price and Thomas Gifford, and look it up. You got fucking James Franco from Spring Breakers. Even if you haven't seen that movie, just go uh, type in James Franco Spring Breakers, and one of the first scenes that should pop up is the "Look at my shit" scene well, when he's when he's showing the girls all his stuff, his guns and his shorts and his nunchucks and his body tanning oil. Uh, shouts to me on Twitter at DanTomMMA if you know what I'm talking about. All right, next fight. Takashi Sato, minus 210. Ben Saunders, plus 175. I don't know what it opened at, but uh, the public must have saw what I saw because that's about what I feel. And I'm a big Ben Saunders fan. I feel like I'm always saying this because I am a big Ben Saunders fan, but I'm all speaking against him because I feel like this trend's been in place for a while, unfortunately. I mean, the dude's been... Well, I don't have it in front of me, but he's been, like, what, dropped or stopped and, like... Uh, Four of his last five, seven of his last ten. How, how do you want to break it down? I mean, ever since uh, Douglas Lima and Lyman Good, I forget which one did it to him, but uh, I think that was a real where you saw a real change there. I mean, Saunders been KO'd seven times. Yeah, he's been stopped at four of his last five, and uh, yeah, if you do the drop or stop thing, it gets uh, it gets weary. Anyways, um, I like Sato here. Also, Ben Saunders not good against Southpaws. Uh, at least in the UFC level, I want to say he's 0-2, possibly 1-2. and 2, If you go way back, um, I, I didn't. Uh, I, I didn't come through his complete career for this. Apologies, but I know he is 0-2 recently by TKO losses against uh, Sabata and Joban. So, uh, yeah, uh, Southpaw like uh, Sato, I don't uh, you know. Who has almost that karate styling, and I want to say he's like a judo guy. Maybe that's because he just trains with uh, what's his name? Who submitted uh, Rio Chonin, submitted Anderson Silva. Get late, uh, but yeah. So, uh, but yeah. Speaking of which, it's he really comes off like a judo boxer guy. Uh, so this is gonna feel like a real classic WEC era welterweight fight because you have the judo boxing versus the Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu, which is like my favorite combination to fight. Because usually the judo boxer is a pressure guy, but it's like he has to keep jumping from phase to phase because he he has to pressure him with his boxing because he can't stay outside of the Muay Thai range. But then once he gets into a Muay Thai clinch, he's got to force his takedowns and his tosses and will go with high-level tosses. And then 
you know, but then he can't play too long uh, because, you know, the other guy will start getting his jiu-jitsu game. You know, Hiramitsumira, Carlos Condit, uh, Yoshihiro Maeda, Miguel Torres. Like, I look, those are my favorite matches, the judo boxer versus the Muay Thai jiu-jitsu guy. Uh, so uh, hopefully this is fun like that. But I got Sato. He's actually that third leg. Uh, his inside the distance and KOs are juiced. So everybody's got the same idea. It's that southpaw styling. That left hand's probably going to find its mark. Um, Sato gets rocked himself, though. But that being said, man, he fucking fights real hard to get back. Uh, looks like he fights good inside the guard, but he's going to have to be careful if his safe zone is uh, takedowns uh, against uh, Ben Saunders. You gotta, he specs Saunders' submission game. All right, next fight, Augusto Sakai, who's just that finish on Chase Sherman just burns in my head the way he's mimed the song the guy's head off and kicking into the audience. That was some savage shit, and that earns him a minus 145 favorite spot against Andre Arlovsky. I'm surprised he's not a bigger favorite against Arlovsky, um, and that's coming from a guy who likes Arlovsky and gives him a lot of respect more than most, picks him more than most. Uh, picked him against Taito Ivasa when it's like plus two or 300, and it looked crazy, but even though he lost, it didn't look as crazy. You know, a couple exchanges, uh, he wins, and he could have won that fight. Um, but I think th- what people do know is that there's no over and unders. Those have been late to come out, by the way. And I don't think it's going to be great looking at what the round startages are, are at. Because I think the secret's out. Uh, not the secret's out. I mean, it's been out if you've been paying attention. Andre Olofsky, he really knows how to... The king at slowing the pace down for a heavyweight fight. Um, and he's more competitive than people give him credit for. So the fights are going to decision. I don't know if someone goes to decision. But I do seeing it go over. Not that it's going to be worth playing when it comes out. Uh, but uh, ultimately, what I see winning out, whether it gets him a finish or not, is just Sakai's volume. I mean, he's been known to kind of circle and just kind of do stupid stuff too, uh, whereas like Arlovsky, you know, getting out, outpaced kind of by Abdurahimov, which I've underestimated and has been looking great, so I'm not trying to put too much stock into that, but I'm just saying even Abdurahimov at his best, not, not exactly the most high-paced fighter. Um, so it's that slow-paced thing kind of works both ways. Um, Arlovsky... You know, prefers to counter. Sometimes these guys could both get in fits where they prefer to counter. Excuse me. So that'll be interesting to see if they get into that fit, and then that'll really extend the over. Uh, But I'm a big Andre Lofsky fan, man. One of my first favorite fighters. So if there's an excuse to pick him, I will. Uh, It's a winnable fight for him. He could win the fight, but I'm going to go with Sakai, man. Even if Arlovsky tries to get some takedowns, uh, Sakai's a brown brown, brown, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, much more active. And Orlovsky, man, like, he got taken down by Walt Harris. Like, dude, the one thing it was, you know, again, slowing the pace of the fight, but within slowing the pace of the fight was being able to clinch and not get taken down. And Orlovsky, man, like, he was tough to take down even later into his career. But now he's getting taken down a lot, uh, which is weird. Uh, So, yeah, I'll take Sakai there. All right, next fight, Vrina Janidroba, minus 125 versus Carla Esparza, plus 105. Uh, I don't know what it opened as. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Carla was open as a slight favorite and then people came in to fade her. Carla doesn't get a lot of love either. I, I like her. You know, she, she came across two of the harder top fighters in the division with her, her two losses recently. And one of them, you argue, she won uh, against Claudia Gadelia and obviously against uh, Tatiana Suarez, who I love. She's she's awesome. Uh Everybody's on, on that train too, so you don't need to hear it from me. Uh, but 
but yeah, that, that was just a bad matchup. I mean, someone who could really out-wrestle her. I don't know if Jenny Droba can. I'm not really sold. You know, she's got some really good takedowns because she, you know, has been grappling like forever. And really good jujitsu, good comp- competitor. So if you're going to go to MMA, definitely have good takedowns. But she's got more re- like jujitsu takedowns. You know, like she changes her level and grabs at the hips. And she but she uses more of a, a sweep to kind of fall through the takedown instead of driving through it. And you can do that and make that look pretty. And some guys, like, like some guys can get really good at that. Like Johnny Case is a good one. Uh, but whether you're a girl or a guy, you get to the higher levels, especially people who can uh, wrestle pretty pretty well or at least decently. Those seem to be harder, you know. Uh, and you hear guys like DC acknowledge that, where he's calling guys like he didn't get that because he didn't drive through. Um, and I could see that if uh, you know Jenny Droba comes up short here, it's probably going to be because of that. And even if she does get the takedowns, because again, as far as it's not like she can't be taken down. Um, let me pull it up. I forget what it was, but I don't think it's the like the most superb takedown defense. But uh, even if she does get taken down, she's a really good scrambler. And uh, Jenny Droba, she will, she's aggressive, man. Uh, her hips will get high, as, as commentary has noted. Uh, Julie Kedzie uh, noted really acutely because it's not that she's a bad ground player; she's really good, but. Um, you know, but when you get aggressive, you kind of make that trade off, and I think that that's that's one thing for her. She she wants to make that. Oh my god, I made the mistake of trying to navigate the fucking UFC site. God damn it, it's so fucking awful. It's like 2006, and we just discovered what the fuck Flash was again, people. Really. Anyways, uh, as I talk to fill time, because I have to go through seven clicks as opposed to just one or two, as it was before. Uh, yeah, I'm saying it's 40%. It's not, it's not great. Um, but at the same time, I, you know, Jenny Drove isn't the biggest. She's strong, but she's not the biggest. Uh, she's not the biggest straw weight as far as his face bigger size discrepancies from that. And, you know, she's mainly lost split decisions and. Hasn't been submitted since 2010, so uh, I went ahead and took a shot on Carla. It's a fight you want to avoid. You're gonna sweat either way, but I'm bored, so she's one of the few dogs that I pick. So I may or may not have sprinkled, and I do not suggest you follow me off that cliff. But I did decide with the spars right here. All right, next fight: uh, Gilbert Dariño Burns minus 270 versus Mike Davis. No guy named Mike Davis, and he looks completely different than this Mike Davis. Plus 230. Uh, you remember Mike Davis from that really fun fight with Sadiq Youssef Contender Series? One of my favorite fights from that series to date. Uh, gave him a, you know, I didn't, couldn't grade him because he wasn't a winner, but. Uh, excuse me. I made sure to write some nice stuff about Mike Davis. He went and got a win after that. Uh, I didn't see that fight. Um, and it looks like he's still plugging away King's MMA. I'm sure he's training with good ground people. He had a good a good jujitsu coach. Forgive me, forgive me, John John Rico, for not knowing off the top of my head. Plus, I believe you've got like the Cobrinha affiliate. You have plenty of uh, cross training down there for other gyms as well. That being said, he is a striker man. Most of his accolades are striking. Most of his styles are all boxing heavy. Uh, so unless uh, Burns gets dumb and, and tries to to strike with him, I, I see Burns just really taking advantage of. The obvious path, it's way too obvious not to grapple, even for a guy like Burns, right? And, and Burns, again, not just a jiu-jitsu guy, but a jiu-jitsu guy with good wrestling. Um, 
So to see Burns sub plus money, 170, kind of made me scratch my head. Like, either the odds are really off or people are just really doubting his IQ. Like, not that I think he's the smartest fighter. I'm definitely not saying that. But I guess what I'm saying is, is he that stupid that we're going to... All right, maybe he is, but I'll take a shot at that plus money. Plus 170, I threw a unit down on that, actually. That's one of the plays that actually stuck out to me. If I narrowed it down to one play, like just taking a shot on for shits, I probably would have done that one for whatever that's worth. Um, and Burns, by the way, um, rounds out that three-legged parlay, which I'll hit on the recap here. It's Souza, Sato, and Burns. Um, they're all around minus 200 chalks, which is... Eh, not the greatest number to play with. But altogether, it's pretty much near even money. Uh, pretty much pretty much near, dead even money. So get what you give, essentially, about uh, putting those three together. And that's what I did for fun. Not saying you jump off that cliff with me. Speaking of cliffs you shouldn't jump off of, and, and probably rounding out our plays here, spoiler... Uh, this is a bias, but because you know, my favorite fighter is fighting Jim Miller, minus 145. Surprised to see him as that because he just, you know, is on his way out, getting a lot of losses. People have been fading him for a minute. But Jason Gonzalez to come back on at plus 125. I guess they don't think too highly of Jason Gonzalez either. You know, the UFC losses. Fun fights, though. I mean, the guy's surely, clearly shown that he's dangerous, but uh, quality of wins when he gets in there. Uh, and, you know, what's he been doing? Uh, let's get a surgery. I don't know any fights book, but he had a surgery mid-2018. Uh, looks like he's recovered. Big, giant, lightweight, man. But Miller's been in there with big lightweights before. That hasn't stopped them from taking him down, hurting them on the feet, or submitting them. Uh, he's done that all against bigger guys. Unfortunately, he doesn't hasn't done well against southpaws. Jim Miller, 2-7 and seven against UFC southpaws, which is a huge flag. But I see him doing similar to what he did to his last southpaw, uh, Alex White. Uh, kind of stinging and surprising Jason Gonzalez or getting the takedown and just pretty much just thriving in the scramble. Whether Jason Gonzalez winning or losing, it feels like he can't avoid that dogged scramble. And Miller usually burns himself from there. He's like a kid in the candy store, man, with those submissions. He can't fucking help himself, and it always costs him position. But I think this is a guy that he can sub. I think we've seen this story before uh, where these kind of rookie guys, and even if they have the potential to be pretty decent guys like a Yancey Medeiros. They just came across Jim Miller a little too early in their career, uh, akin to a Charles Oliveira. And, you know, and he submitted those guys in the Fabrizio Camoises of the world. I, that's going to be the last skill that's going to go with all his problems and age. Yeah, I'll take Jim Miller here, and uh, I'll even throw a little bit on sub for fun, plus 270. Uh, I'll take a little bit, a bit of a, a, a stabbing at that. Um, you stabbed a dog. Uh, all right, uh, next fight, Angela Hill, minus 600. Jesus, insert that, someone sent me that gif. Insert that wrestling gif of the guy doing that arc, and, and it looks like he's, he's butt-fucking his partner while the other partner like, is like a, uh, on the edge of the Titanic, pointing like, pointing like, shore ahoy! Like, 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 yeah, like people be gassing that line, like that dude's gassing his wrestling partner. Uh, Jody Escobar, plus 450. That being said, I got Angela Hill here, I mean, just more volume, uh, more well-rounded, more diverse attacks, more movement. Um, Jody Exabel moves well, good shape, boxes, but just kind of just that short-arm T-Rex boxer and just can't quite, you know, close things off on the feet, can't quite close things off in the clench. Uh, 
don't don't know how trustworthy you know she could she could be you know uh, coming off that loss to Jessica Aguilar and the two rebookings of Jessica Penne who knows where she's at give me Angela Hill but you know that's on the avoid list just for uh, for the fucking juiced ass price um, by the way Roberts Gifford also on that avoid list and the next and last fight. Final fight here also on the avoid list, which is Court McGee minus 185, uh, plus 160 comeback on Diego Lima. I was initially looking at McGee here, but I got respect for Lima after that last shot, man. It wasn't just that he, oh, fucking Luke got him, LaPreece, with a left hook. Maybe I can too. It was the way he set it up. It was a real clever one. And then you know, the fact that they say he's working with Cuban boxers, one of my favorite. You know, it comes to judo unboxing, the Cubans have a, a real interesting and flowy, dancey touch to both those arts, and I love it. Uh, and you look like you picked that up really well, man, and that, that's what he's really got to work on in his boxing, as, as dangerous as it sounds for a guy with a suspect chin. But uh, got love for those Luna brothers, and Diego works hard. Now he's got conf- a big confidence behind him. I think he's going to be dangerous, you know. Uh, McGee's been an overachiever, and even though I'm picking him here, you know, you wonder how long he's going to be doing it. You wonder when his chin's going to drop. He's been rocked. Uh, and, and, you know, I think three of his last four, he's been wobbled pretty, pretty good. Uh, so, you know, I could see one of those shots getting McGee. Um, I, you know, I, I could almost see Lima maybe have more of a chance of a TKO than McGee, at least on the feet. Not an accumulative one, then that's McGee for sure. But I'm actually going to be picking McGee by decision, just his pressure and his volume. Uh, I think he can go for takedowns here and avoid submissions. His submission defense is good enough. Uh, those Lehman brothers, they're really good off their back, but they're just still too in love with that, in my opinion, when they get there. They'll, they'll complace and they'll let the guy take a fight to him. I think that's exactly what McGee's going to do. Um, he's going to have some uh, Mark Montoya in his corner. We're interested to see what game plan they have. This isn't is his first barbecue with Mark Montoya, which is good, and their previous ones went well uh, as far as game planning goes. So... Sounds like they have a good process. I trust that, but I got respect for Diego uh, in this, and I'm not, I don't feel that great and confident if you do good. But I'm just going to avoid that one. So that is that. Um, all right, folks. Let's recap it here. Uh, for Bellator, I guess, I'm, I'm, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm picking favorites there pretty much for the most part, I think that we'll see that that, but yeah, for, for this, this UFC Fort Lauderdale taking Ronaldo Souza over Jack Hermanson, taking Dmitry Smolyakov over Greg Hardy, taking Alex Oliveira over Mike Perry, taking Glover Teixeira over Ion Kutlaba, taking John Lineker over Corey Sanhagen, taking Roosevelt Roberts over Spring break. Thomas Gifford taking Takashi Sato over Ben Saunders, taking Augusto Sakai over Andre Orlovsky, taking Carlos Barza over Verena Janidroba, taking Gilbert Trujillo Burns over Mike Davis, taking Jim Miller over Jason Gonzalez, taking Angela Hill over Jody Escabel, taking Court McGee over Diego Lima, uh, took a shot on the dogs that I picked that are still dogs, I should say. Probably picked a couple that have shifted, but took some stabs at Smolyakov and Esparza. I don't suggest you do. 
the fun parlay I did, uh, just a three-piece. <laughs> we'll see if we get a soda for it. Burns, Sato, and Souza for near even at one unit. Uh, took a stab Miller by sub, plus 278 and a half unit. Took a stab Burns by sub, plus 170 at one unit. I actually like that one. To share inside the distance, plus 145, uh, 147 actually, one unit. Uh, avoid Roberts Gifford. Uh, avoid Hill Escabel because of the inflation. Uh, avoid McGee uh, Lima out of respect. Um, and yeah, Amazon, iTunes, on it, MixedMartialAnalyst.com, Spotify Friendly Players. More options on route. All right, guys. Uh, thank you for bearing with me on another another later in the week episode. Appreciate you stopping by for my opinions. Hopefully, they're helpful because uh, man, I think I've had, I haven't had good cards since Prague. So let's turn it around on this one, huh? We'll see what uh, we'll see if Game of Thrones should be turning it around this Sunday. Finally, get getting some some some, some traction and some action. And uh, good luck with your action on Saturday. And regardless whether it's a uh, uh, medieval times or, or Fort Lauderdale or the Seven Kingdoms, both are probably pretty similar with uh, craziness and violence. Uh, always protect your necks.